What are the key messages about detecting and deterring fraud? Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. I'm talking today with Joseph Men, a journalist and author, who addressed this topic at the FDIC Symposium last week. Joe, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks very much for having me. Just for context for our audience, tell us a little bit about yourself and your most recent workplace. Oh, sure. So I've been a, a reporter, mainstream press, for a couple of decades now. I've covered information security since 1999. Uh, currently, my day job's at the Financial Times, and uh, I've done three books, and, and the most recent is called Fatal System Error, The Hunt for the New Crimes Lords Who Are Bringing Down the Internet. That came out earlier uh, this year. Now, Joe, you delivered a keynote at the FDIC Symposium on Online Crimes last week. What were your main messages there? Well, well, first that uh, the, they're up against some some pretty nasty uh, people, and not just nasty people, but a, an ecosystem that seems to have many more advantages uh, over over the good guy ecosystem. And then, you know, I also, I you know, I also was uh, pretty tough on on the banks because I, I think they've they've helped dig themselves into a deeper hole by pretending that online banking is as safe as as garden variety banking, and it's just not. Well, you make a good point. It took some months for, for the FDIC to address this publicly and for some of the banking institutions to acknowledge it. How do you find your messages were received by the regulators and the bankers alike? Well, I think I'm actually sort of in sync with the regulators on this. Uh, I mean, obviously, the symposium was one step toward uh, imposing additional additional rules, and that seems to be the direction that they're going in. Uh Two-factor authentication is no longer enough, and not everybody has adopted two-factor authentication. Uh, the the Zeus uh, toolkits that are out there, um, some of them uh, allow allow the bad guys to piggyback on a legitimate transaction, even with one-time passwords being used. Um, and it's just not enough. I mean, I think it, it's pretty clear that there needs to be uh, out-of-band confirmation of transactions or other rules uh, set up. And, you know, I'm pretty sure that even that's not going to be enough to defeat this entirely. So we have seen businesses and communities alike that have just been fleeced by some of these criminals. In your opinion, who bears the burden for properly detecting and deterring the kind of incidents that we've seen in the past year or so? <sighs> That's a hard question, and I, but I think I, I think somebody has to somebody has to is the bottom line because right now you've got a situation where small businesses are going bankrupt, they're suing the banks, the banks are suing the businesses, uh, saying it's their fault that they had a virus on their PC, and as long as there's uncertainty, uh, we're going to have a, we're going to have a very big problem. I, one way to get around this, uh, well, there, there are two things that that should happen. One is. Um, the feds have to come down pretty clearly and say who's re- who's responsible. Um, I think they 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 could extend the guarantees that that banks make to individual consumers and say that should apply to small businesses as well. That would solve part of the problem. I'm sure the banks would like it. But would re- would really be nice if the banks stopped saying that everything is fine and in fact started competing on the basis of security. Uh, you know, I have a personal uh, credit card with Citibank. And one of the reasons I stay with Citibank is they call me when 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 something is out of whack. Um, security, is, you know, can be a selling point. Uh, the, no, none of the banks have wanted to go first um, because that sort of raises the level of uh, of fear for everybody. Um, but but I think but I think they should. They could they could offer they could offer guarantees. They could put in um, out of band 
out-of-band confirmation on their own and then say, look, we do this, and as long as you do X, Y, and Z, we'll make you whole um, as long as we don't suspect you personally of fraud. Joe, so you can say that the symposium last week at least brought acknowledgement to some of these issues that we've been aware of. What has to happen beyond acknowledgement to really curtail the types of fraud incidents that we've been seeing? Um, well, the, the problem is, again, that the bad guys have have so many advantages. They have a better capitalist system than we do. Um, they reinvest their they reinvest their fishing uh, profits in research and development to get new zero-day vulnerabilities. The feedback system is very efficient. So on these password-protected um, underground forums and websites, you know, you, you you have this thriving community, these thriving communities where you have some people that are expert virus writers, other people have botnets for hire, um, uh, other folks have necessary uh, government and mob protection, uh, and so forth, and they can all coordinate very well. And there's feedback, like there is with, on eBay, where you get too many negative comments on a given seller of, say, credit card data, and nobody will do business with them anymore. It, it's really good. On top of that, Whereas, in, you know, in contrast in the U.S., a chief security officer has a very hard time convincing a CEO to spend more money on something because it's very hard to make a cost-benefit analysis. The CEOs will say, well, we didn't get hacked last year, so why should I up your budget this year? Um, uh, in, in, on the bad guy side, you also have uh, the power of, of very serious organized crime. And on top of that, you've got uh, the equivalent of an industrial policy. Uh, the, these countries are deliberately supporting some of the worst criminals on the planet because they're useful uh, for competitive advantage um, and for military purposes. Uh, my book uh, makes it pretty clear, has got some pretty damning evidence that uh, some of some of the kingpins of this, the fishing economy uh, are protected by the Russian FSB, which is the successor agency to the, the KGB, because the same network of people and machines is being used to attack enemies of the Kremlin, be it Estonia in 2007, Georgia in 2008, or even internal dissidents within Russia. So two-part question for you, Joe. The first part is, what gives you optimism that will succeed in, in cutting back on some of these incidents? Well, it's 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 definitely a cautious optimism. What we have now that we didn't have before is is a window of opportunity uh, because there's so much attention being paid in Washington. Now, not all of this is directly on point. Uh, a lot of lately, a lot of this has to do with the prospect of cyber war. Uh, Richard Clark has a new book out called Cyber War. The former director of national intelligence, Mike McConnell, says we're already fighting a cyber war and losing it. Um, and the U.S. just stood up a, a army, well, not uh, a military uh, U.S. cyber command under the strategic command, where there's going to be a, a focus on offensive and defensive cyber arms. So there's a lot of attention to that, and it, it's sort of easy to get headlines and TV time when you talk about planes falling out of the sky and trains being derailed and all these horrible things that a, an enemy state could do to us uh, through, through cyber war. I personally don't think that any of that is likely to happen. Uh, yes, China and Russia could do bad things to our electric grid. We could do bad things to their electric grid. <coughs> Excuse me. The same is true of nuclear weapons, though, and, you know, nobody's about to launch a nuclear weapon. I think the more looming threat, the, the more serious threat, if less dramatic, is, is sustained economic espionage from places like China. Uh, where stealing intellectual property appears to be, you know, a, a key tenet of, of national strategy. Um, but because there is additional attention being paid to all of this, there are some bills making their way to Congress that would do some interesting things. 
the FDIC feels more empowered to do things. Uh, the FCC uh, feels empowered to do things. And, uh, you know, I think there's a growing realization that the hands-off, regulation-free approach to the Internet worked really well for a really long time. But we're, we're, at a, we're nearing a tipping point here where consumers are not going to feel safe doing any business online, and frankly, they shouldn't at this point. Um, and that's a danger to the national economy, a very serious danger to the national economy. So I think there is, there is some chance that there will be, uh, a, a, for example, uh, I know that there's going to be a, a national strategy for authenticated transactions that Howard Schmidt is going to release next month for comment. Uh, there are going to be a number of steps forward that I think um, will increase the nation's defenses, but we really need a lot more. Uh, and and um, but at least people are talking about it now. Uh, a part of that has to do with with Google going public with the attacks on it from within China. Uh, but you know this is a complicated issue. It's a technology issue. It's a uh, a business issue, a law enforcement issue, and and probably more than anything else, a foreign policy issue. Um, yeah, and I think people are beginning to realize how serious this all is. So flip side of that question, what makes you pessimistic that we'll get this done? Well, because it's so interdisciplinary, you know, so many different people have to be uh, pulling together. Because the critical infrastructure is majority in private hands here, which it is not in all other countries, uh, and, and because the Internet was just not designed for what it's being used for, uh, I don't think that TCPIP can be fixed. Uh, one of the things I call for in my book is a um, is is a massive investment program to come up with a protocol that would be used um, for more sensitive uh, communications online. Um, you know, more than 50% of PCs are compromised now, and the proportion of those that have uh, that are compromised with banking trojans or keyloggers, the worst kind of malware, is going up dramatically. You know, a a as I said, the bad guy ecosystem. You have probably the worst worst enemy we could face and we're charged with defending the most open networks uh, that the that the world has ever known. It's a really bad combination. Joe, last question for you. Based on your experience with the FDIC symposium last week, if you could boil down advice to the regulators and the banking institutions, what can they do now to help their consumer and their commercial customers avoid being victims of the fraudsters? I think they need to be more honest about uh, the on the industry side. There should be a lot more honesty about the risks. Uh, they should they should figure out how much uh, how many of their losses are due to um, you know loans not going bad, and how many are due to the fact that the person taking out the loan wasn't the person he said he was. Uh, there should be disclosure of outright uh, of how much is outright fraud, and that would. Uh, that would increase awareness of the issue. They should um, they should, in my opinion, consider. They should put serious security in place and then advertise it uh, and, and get this competition going on the basis of security that will gain them customers in my opinion that would outweigh uh, that would outweigh any uh, of of the cost and they shouldn't resist regulation that makes everybody else have to spend money to make their customers more secure as well Joe wonderful insight I appreciate your time and your thoughts today thank you very much we've been talking with Joseph men the topic has been fighting fraud. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.